0: Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry.
1: I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them.
0: Our adventure today takes us to St. Paul, the Twin Cities. We're talking with Kelly McGrath, Director of Sales, Marketing, and Public Relations with the Excel Energy Center. She uh, has been recently named a woman in sports and entertainment from the Twin Cities chapter uh, of uh, WISE, and then Venues Now has her as a 2020 Women of Influence. And we're excited to have you here
2: today. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? Great. Good morning. Good to see
0: you both. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, let's talk. I, the Twin Cities is the buzz right now, right? As we have announced that EAMC is coming to the Twin Cities in uh, 2022. We're so excited to be back in person and coming your way. And, you know, when we were planning this, I gosh, going back to 2019, I think it was, uh, I came wow. up and, and, and paid a visit with you at Excel Energy Center. And we had a great conversation about... The Twin Cities. So before we get into, you know, Excel Energy Center and, and your adventure, for those folks who aren't familiar with the kind of dynamic between Minneapolis and St. Paul, kind of fill everybody in and give us a little bit of, of what the Twin Cities is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can probably tell by my nasally tone. I'm a native Minnesotan, so I uh born and raised here and have made my career and stayed here. Uh, the Twin Cities, so Minneapolis is more like your cosmopolitan city, if you will, and then St. Paul is a little more old school, kind of with a older town feel. We obviously have two major venues in the market. XL Energy Center is here in St. Paul, and about nine miles from our front door is the Target Center.
0: So it's that close, people don't realize you guys are really right there next door. It's just right across the river, right?
2: Right next door. Yeah, right across the river from each other and and, uh, nine miles roughly door to door. A great city, though. It's a very, um, it's a foodie city. So anybody who's going to come to the conference that likes to get a good meal or try some unique restaurants, Minneapolis-St. Paul has really turned into a foodie kind of town, a great arts and entertainment scene. Uh, We used to, I think it's still true, have the most theater seats per capita after Toronto. So it's a huge uh, live entertainment, live theater market. There's always something happening here. We have all the pro sports. In our market so not every market has that right so we have nfl vikings we have the minnesota wild which make their home here at the Xcel energy center the timberwolves and the Lynx are across the river at target center and then our university of minnesota rode the boat skyuma is a um, very popular sporting outlet too so we have a lot of sports competition a lot of great entertainment but people are used to it too right so it's a, an active community of folks that like to go out and do Different thing.
1: I almost might say that it's like, I mean, I, I think it's fully appreciated up in Minnesota, but it's probably doesn't get the credit it deserves, the Twin Cities, for how much of a hub it really is, like you said. I mean, people tend to think of, oh, music, uh, Nashville or LA or something, and oh, sports, uh, Florida or something like that. And really, I mean, you hit on it all. You all have every major sports team. You have these big college teams. And then you have tons of venues from not only the arenas, the stadium, but you have like First Avenue, which is, of course, so iconic and all these other theaters and all these performance halls. And it really is a massive entertainment hub that, you know, really, uh, I think a lot of people maybe in touring know that, but maybe it doesn't quite uh, get the credit it really deserves, I would say, probably in when comparing to some of these other markets.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, obviously, we're the Midwest, we're, we're flyover land, if you will, but we're also a major airport hub. You know, Delta's out of Minneapolis and Atlanta, so we have uh, easy access. We've got, I don't, I'm not sure the exact number now, but a good number of Fortune 500 companies here. So, you know, 3M is headquartered here, IBM is down in Rochester, Ecolab makes their headquarters here in St. Paul. We have a lot of um, a lot of money in the market, a lot of people who are are transplants to Minnesota that they're here through through work. Uh, so all that drives that what you're saying drives the sports teams, the entertainment, the art, the First Avenue, Prince, the Minneapolis music sound, certainly put us on the map from that perspective. And all of those, those small venues, turf club in St. Paul, First Ave, the Dakota Jazz Club is this amazing, you know place on Nicollet Mall that has amazing jazz artists that come through all of that feeds right you guys know that into the arenas because not everybody so, can play an arena so it's in our best interest to see somebody play First Avenue I want success there I want success at the Club I want success at the Palace because those are my next artists somebody has to start right. somewhere and grow and build that following like we have Brandy Carlisle coming in June of next year, as part of her tour. But she, very early on, the local iheart station city started playing Brandy Carlisle and built a following. and then she started playing the market here. she uh, we have one of their best dates on the tour because she's grown from here. The Fillmore opened one of the historic Fillmore uh, are now in Minneapolis. Um, she opened the Fillmore right before the pandemic in February. I think she did three sold out nights there. And now she's playing our building. So it's how it all, It's that whole live entertainment ecosystem that's really alive and well in Minnesota.
1: That stuff can really vary from market to market, too. Like you hit on, you know, an artist, it's not a, of course, an artist wants to build a following across the entire country, but it can really be city to city where if they have developed a lot within that city because they have been playing that market and have all these, you know, small clubs that have built up, they might have these this huge pocket of fans and the twin cities, even though that artist is maybe from like Boise or something like no association, but it's just, it's grown so organically there. And so that can really make an effect on like whether a market plays the arena because they have, you know, played all these uh, smaller venues building up, like you said. Yeah. hundred
2: percent. If they're, if they're getting good, airplay I mean all the things we used to measure it's so different now yeah that goes into deciding right if if it's going to come through do they have support of the local market and and that rabid following so that was that's one example where she certainly is going to do well here because of that grassroots effort that started you know forever ago when she first hit the market
0: you know we look at, you know, at being a great city. And when I, when I came to visit, you were right, there's so many venues and so many uh, places, so many options for entertainment, right? So how do you in 2021 stand out, right? Because there's a, everybody's coming on tour, right? Everybody in every size venue, and we're, we're all very busy, but how do you, as, as the Excel Energy Center kind of say, Hey, we're, we're here and, you know, we're a good use of your, your entertainment dollar.
2: Yeah, it's a challenge right now, isn't it? it? It's breaking through. You know, we've talked with my counterparts across the country and, and the tours. Everybody's like, what can you do? What, what can you do for our show that's going to really stand out? Right. my you know, <laughs> running I always ask back, what's your budget? What's yep. it? You know, there's none. There's no budget. And it's like, well, what do we have? So we try to, you know, offer all the assets that we have through the team. We're the same ownership group. The uh, Craig Leopold owns the Minnesota Wild. He also owns the management company that manages the XL Energy Center. So we are all one team. So when we had our announcement for Swedish House Mafia, for example, we have three Swedes on our hockey team, three guys that are from Sweden. So we did a little spoof on the three of them morphing into the same artwork for Swedish House Mafia. So just trying to figure out is there any way we can leverage the team because they have more eyeballs than we do on the arena. People are are following their social more closely than the arena social. So what do we have that we can try to leverage and use those assets? Uh, We push our radio relationships as much as we can. Again, through that partnership, our team is on an iHeart station, and we leverage that against the other iHeart stations. I know a lot of other markets probably do this as well. We have our media buyer, Annette Andrus, who... Some folks will certainly know she's been to the conference a number of times. She's our media buyer for the team and for the arena. So when she's talking to a a rep, she's doing both. And they are reminded where all those dollars come from, that we try to leverage and get more promo as we can. I don't think I have a magic answer. Which we did, right? (laughs) I wish I did. I, I look for my crystal ball all the time, but... Like a lot of other buildings too, we've gone through some attrition this last year or either by choice or by circumstance for people. So we have some new blood coming in and that's exciting, right? So we have a new VP of marketing for the team, a new digital guy over there. We uh, are gonna hire back in a social person dedicated to the arena. We haven't had since January, which is why our social looks like it's 2008 because you're looking at- (laughs) Uh, it's sad, but they bring new life, right? They're like, could you ever do this? And I'm like, tell me more. Like I, I said to his name is John. I said, John, you don't know how thirsty you are until somebody offers you a cup of water. What do you got? I'll take whatever you get. So one of the results that coming out of this, when you ask, what are we doing? I think as an organization, we all realize we need everybody here. Like we are one. And if the Thomas Rhett concert sells, that takes some pressure off the wild. If the wild is selling, what assets do they have? Can our video team help us? Can our social teams help us? We're, we're much more connected coming out of the last 18 months than we were going into it. And that's been a really good silver lining.
0: That's great. When you talk about Minneapolis, St. Paul, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that really hits me from being on site is, you know, you say St. Paul feels a little older, but St. Paul has, you know, it, it does, but it's a charm, right? It's got a really neat character. And, and the cities, when you are downtown, they do feel like separate cities. They really each have their own character. So that's, that's a great thing. But also, I'm sure, a challenge. Do you find yourself, you know, competing against, you know, obviously, Target Center's, nine, like you said, nine miles away, right? So do you find yourself, is, is it a challenge there uh, to kind of compete for that Minneapolis attention?
2: I think yes and no. I mean, our building's been here now 20 years, 21 years, uh, starting this fall. So we're pretty established and have a great reputation. The sound in our building is phenomenal. And so artists like to play here. People know that they're going to come and hear a good show when they're here. So we have some selling advantages. There's people who don't like to go to the big city, and they don't think of St. Paul as going to the big city, (laughs) which is kind of sad. We're the capital. But uh, there is some of that um, that I think yeah. works, works in our advantage. But we're always—I mean, we're competing. We compete for shows. Uh, well, you know, we're all
0: competing against each other at the end of the day, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. But it—it's kind of—it's friendly competition. Our booker always—if if our booker hears to go going to a show at Target Center, he's like, "If you better, you better not order a beer. You better <laughs> not buy any. Like, you get help
1: perk don't help the Don't
2: point. do it. No <laughs> one. Isn't that always the, the case? Way. It's like
1: it's the bookers who are competing and then the marketing people are like super friendly with each other. Like, yeah. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? How can I help you out? Oh yeah. 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 And then the bookers are like, don't even breathe on
2: that. <laughs> like, exactly. They stole I- this artist from us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's pretty much how it is here. And, and, you know, we're, we're friendly rivals. I, I, you guys both know Lisa niece at us bank stadium in our market. Yeah. We, we go back and forth all the time. And uh, especially things like we, after the tragedy in Astroworld, Lisa and I, media was reaching out. You may experience that too. They wanted to know like, what is our plan if something ever 100%. like that happened? So we used each other as a resource to just say, have you been contacted? Are you making a statement? You know, what, what are we doing? Just so you're in line with some, what somebody else is doing. And, and it's nice to have that kind of relationship. With people in your market that you're that you're willing to help each other out, you know, and 100%. That's Minnesota nice. We, we have to be nice. That's right. <laughs> uh, I love it. We just won't it. have it over
0: for dinner. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, when we talk about all the things going on, uh, one of the things that is as big before before EAMC comes to town, right? You guys are a big part of the the Winter Classic, right? So for folks who have not heard of the Winter Classic, what what is the the Winter Classic?
2: Yeah, so the NHL, the National Hockey League, on January 1st, they kind of own that day in the sporting world. A few ball games that happen too, but they have an outdoor game every year. And the Minnesota Wild has wanted to have that outdoor game since I I can remember. Since they've started that tradition, that was very important to us as an organization. We were able to host a stadium series a number of years ago, which is kind of a February time frame. We were outdoors at the, um,
1: the Minnesota Gopher
2: Football Stadium for that event. Very successful, very successful weekend. But then the NHL is like, oh, we'll give them the big game. So it kind of went from there. So we were awarded the Winter Classic for last year. We were supposed to originally... Ah,
0: so you've been working on this for a while.
2: Yeah, yep. So originally we were supposed to play the game January 1st of 2021, right? Right when the calendar year would change. Uh, That, of course, did not happen. So we are hosting January 1st, 2022. So we're super excited. The Minnesota Wild is playing really well right now. Uh, When this goes live, I hope we're still leading our division. And then what we did there is the NHL will play that game in Minneapolis. They play at Target Field, which is the home of the Minnesota Twins. So from a perspective of us being based in St. Paul, we basically are moving one of our home games out of St. Paul. So the city of St. Paul, the area businesses kind of raised their hand and said, what do we get out of this? What What's coming our way that we're losing a wild home game? And so what happened is as an organization, we made the decision to get in the promoter business. And uh, through some different contacts, people reached out to the Thomas Fett camp and uh, he agreed to play on New Year's Eve. If you follow Thomas, Fred. he just had a new a new baby to their family. And so he's got four kids, I think, under six. Yeah. So it was a, a decision you know, to come, uh, leave Nashville, come to Minnesota for December 31st. So we will host the NHL Winter Classic New Year's Eve Bash. So the night before. It's basically the official party, um, the NHL. So the NHL will um, have the floor of the arena for their party. They'll set up bars oh, on the floor. People will be able to come in and out of one of our exclusive areas that's normally not activated for concerts. It's on the, for the on-the-glass holders for hockey. Sure. It's their club, but we'll let some free flow in and out of there. And then we are selling the rest of the arena to you know fans to come and celebrate New Year's Eve with Thomas Fett, Cole Smadel, and Connor Smith. So that's been an adventure because usually we're the go-between between the promoter and the building, that's our role. I'm your yeah. media buyer, I can do your creative, I can push the show. Now we are that role as well. So yeah. it's fun, It's has a little stressful <laughs> and <laughs> it's one of those uh, events where we really want it to be a sold out night and succeed and, and minimize our risk. So there's a lot of eyeballs internally. Wanting to know everything, the marketing department. Yeah, doing. right. <laughs> Where normally you're like nothing to see here. You know, it's like yeah. magically happens. Yes. All these people yes. just magically show up for our events. Now everyone's like, "Well, what are you doing here?" It's like same thing. Oh, I've been. Doing. <laughs>
1: that's so true. Hopefully, the New Year's Eve factor assists with that. You know, if the whatever, if the game was like in March and it was just randomly the night before, that would be cool with the association. But since the game is on. January 1st, and you kind of get to not only sell it with its association for the winter classic, but it is this big New Year's Eve bash and this kind of unique experience that you kind of want people to feel like, you know, they're gonna get FOMO if they don't attend. Hopefully that's that's a little bit of a advantage you have.
2: That's what we're going for. Spread the word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely uh, you know, make sure you take advantage of being on the promoter side as much as the stress comes with it, you know, you can uh, Hire a photographer. Now you're like the promoter photographer. They can get carte blanche and shoot photos wherever they want. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta like, remember all the stuff that the promoters have held over you in the past and make sure you uh, flex those same muscles for this event.
2: It it has been really reaching back into every bag of tricks, right? Like what can we do to promote this? We're pulling together a great package, leveraging our radio partner, throwing in dinner, um, bringing some hotel nights in that we can do a big sweepstakes around with the team. Again, they have the eyeballs and people who want both things. So we're really trying to do just that, Paul, like celebrate it as this is the weekend. It's the winter classic weekend. It might not come around again. You have to be part of both days. And thankfully the game is late on New Year's Day. It's like 6 to 6.30 so people can party and celebrate at night and still get uh some sleep grab something greasy for breakfast and then hit the
1: game i think you need to do a promoter gift and uh get your name on the back of the jersey and just hand it from one hand to the other so you can be like great job kelly (laughs) thanks for coming to the building oh you know what kelly that's great (laughs) you know we love having you here (laughs) bring another show sometime
2: Spot uh, day. Oh, wait, was it yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Spot day is a great idea. There you go. you know it's it's gonna be a, a busy holiday week for you. and I know so many people listening to this podcast have talked about winter classes coming to their markets. So from the venue side, or you know and and from this side, working with the the NHL, you know um, some of us have done all- star games and know they're very hands-on uh, with some of that. So so how much extra work is is this really for you know the the marketing team and and the people at at your building?
2: Yeah, for the team overall, like so, our right now, I call us the mighty three. There's three of us that are really dedicated to arena marketing myself, Annette Anders, who I mentioned, and Nellie Gosh, who people will know as well from past conferences. And then the Wild has, you know, their bigger, more robust team, but it all works together, right? So, our the NHL is pushing tickets, and we have a great ticket sales team out of the wild that they have pounded it and that it's selling really well so that makes everybody happy right when you when tickets start to sell everything gets a little better everybody settles down a little bit but it's all the ancillary events that will happen that's been a lot of pressure um there will be there's like eight rinks that will be set up in the outfield and so there'll be programming on all of those rinks over three or four days my husband actually works for the team he's in community relations and hockey partnerships. so wayne is pushing all that on new year's day he's like all about it, what's happening on and i've got new year's eve so we both sit at our dining room table a lot of nights and are cranking out some different emails just <laughs> looking looking forward to january 2nd and on the fifth we're going to florida <laughs>
0: there you go well what is that what is that like having you know a spouse who works for the for the team is that uh, you know you get home from work do you do you want to talk about work at the end of the day or is it just like the last thing on your mind
2: it, it depends, right? It's a little bit of both. It's a boring how you met story. We met here at work. We were um, tasked with, he was on the marketing side. I was on the sales side when we hosted the World Cup of Hockey that the NHL used to do in 2004. Uh, so that's where we first kind of got to know one another. Um, and then we've, we've both been here. The, the good thing is in 2005, I moved over to the arena side of the business. So we separated a little bit in terms of team versus arena events, which which kind of was helpful overall, just to have us on on the two sides of the business. We do pretty well. I mean, we talk shop. The funny thing will happen is he'll come home and be like, "Oh my gosh, won't believe what happened, And I'm like, "I already know." Like, so and so. <laughs> you know. And the main thing I have to keep in mind sometimes is how do I know this? Do I know this as a coworker, or do I know this as a wife? Like, which is this? You know. Or right. we have conversations where I'll say, "Okay, I'm telling you, this is your wife." In other words, right, Yes, right. They're very different. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. This is your wife just out off for a minute. This isn't your coworker telling you to do any action at all with this information. <laughs> so we've got it down pretty well. It's also a bonus too because Wayne can appreciate and understand the nature of the business. Um, yeah. I I uh, was listening to a past. One of the podcasts, David. I know you were talking about how is it possible that we still don't have a press release or art until the night before an announce, and then we actually announce, and we still don't have the artwork. And Wayne knows that he gets it, and he's he's patient on a Sunday night when I'm like, "Hey, I gotta hop on quick." The press release just came through, you know, yep. for a 6 a.m. announce. Which still floors me. It didn't change, right? Oh,
0: no, we're going to rethink how we do everything, right? This whole industry, we're going to rethink everything.
1: (laughs) We're 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 going back to old habits real quick, didn't we? (laughs) Right, exactly. Rethink (laughs) and wait, we were perfect. Uh, Let's go back.
2: I know. That's always my running joke with like pink is always the artist I use. Like, Did she just wake up one morning and go, hey, I want to go on tour? OK, let's go. And then you get that Friday afternoon email and you start scrambling for a Monday announcement, and it's like, "Who was sitting on this?" Who: who? Right,
0: right clearly, right..
2: clearly, this didn't right. just come together right this morning. You guys know it well. Everybody listening knows it well. I, I just, totally.: As much as I wanted to change, it's just the nature of the business.
0: Well, let's, let's take you back a little bit. Uh, you know, back to your days at the, the University of St. Thomas where you're studying, you got a Bachelor of Science in International Studies, doing right, some, some French stuff. So, so where are you thinking your life is heading when you're the freshman walking in the door on your, your first day of college?
2: Yeah, who knows? I, I <laughs> went my first two years, my freshman sophomore year of college, I was up at St. Cloud State University, St. Cloud's about an hour uh, north of the Twin Cities, and I really wanted to study abroad. And so I knew if I went to St. Cloud, I would have that opportunity. So I was able to live in France for about six months on my mom and dad's time. So I thought that was not a bad idea to to study. And then when I came back from my stint abroad, I transferred to St. Thomas. So, you know, I have degrees in international studies and French. I have a minor in economics and I work in sales and marketing and PR no real connection i don't know if i do what i wanted to do i'm from the you know I, you guys are a generation you're probably a generation behind me easily it was different like there weren't as many specialties like there wasn't a i'm going to be a digital marketing right, area, like or craft your own major there was no crafting your own major there's like these are the majors that you can choose from i do think i thought perhaps i'd you know, work for one of the multinational companies here in town, work for a Target, work for a 3M, work for an Ecolab. I, uh, I ended up going a different route. I, I went and volunteered for a year and traveled with the youth ministry team, uh, 12 of us in a van for a year, six men, six women doing retreats across the country. And then I worked for that organization for about three years afterwards. I uh, was a great experience was in some leadership roles there where you're kind of learning a lot of, a lot of self-discovery and dynamics and all that good stuff. And and it was good. Made some lifelong friends through that time. Part of that was I raised my own salary. So I was making not a lot of money. (laughs) And when I decided that that was coming to an end and I really needed a job, that's when I left youth ministry and I, I took a job in, um, I really wanted to get in the event business. I, I don't even know what that meant, except when I was with the youth ministry, I had the opportunity to coordinate what's called World Youth Day. And that's where the Pope goes to a, a major city. And then all these young people from that country come. And it was in Denver in, I don't even remember the year. I wanna go 93 maybe. And I was the point person for the organization to put together all the logistics for us to go and be at World Youth Day. So I was finding places, buses, places for people to sleep. Where are we going to house everybody once we're there? How do we move people from point A to point B? And I loved it. Like I loved all those details coming together. I've since done the Clifton Strengths Finder and a Ranger is one of my top five strengths. So if you tell me we're going to get to point A to point B, I can get you there in 20 different ways. And if you change the path, it doesn't floor me. It's like, okay, as fun as we still get the D. That works. And <laughs> yeah, I found yeah. that has been really helpful in the event business. So that kind of got my taste for it. I went into, a, I took a short time. I started at a hotel here in downtown St. Paul and I hated it. I, I hated <laughs> what did you so like, it. What did you like about it? I just hated it. I, I, I don't even know, Dave. I just, it seemed like, who cares? Like, who, how is your hotel then? right? Like what's, what, it's just a hotel. Like I had no passion for it at all. Part of it was the management in the hotel, you know, everything that goes with it. And I remember being at a networking event, a luncheon at the Ordway Music Theater, which is right next door to the arena here. And someone at the table mentioned they were hiring a group salesperson. No idea really what that meant, but that I was going to get that job. There was no way (laughs) that job was not going to be mine. So I ended up calling the uh, the Ordway, talking to the woman there. And she was just like, who are you at this luncheon? You know, who is now one of my best friends. So I got hired at the Ordway uh, as a group salesperson selling Broadway. So I was selling Broadway tickets. And then I went from there into the management role and really liked it. I love I love managing teams. I love leading and being part of a team. I was at the Ordway for a number of years. And then I took the opportunity to leave there And I went to advertising sales. I sold for the local business journal. Most markets have a a business journal. I was selling ads for them and did that for maybe three years. And then I got a call from my friend, Kathy, who was my manager at the Boardway. And she said, hey, I just got a call. There's a new hockey team that's going to start in St. Paul. And they're looking for a group salesperson. So what had happened is Kathy is her name. Kathy had done Broadway sales, um, independent Broadway sales in this market, had her own business, but a lot of Broadway is out of Toronto. So the new VP of sales that they brought in for the hockey team was from Toronto. So Steve Griggs, who now is running uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Steve called Toronto and said, anybody know somebody in the Twin Cities that can do group sales? And Toronto's Broadway said, yeah, Kathy Stennis is there. Steve called Kathy and she said I I'm not interested I've got little kids I'm not doing that right now but you might want to call Kelly McGrath she might be interested so I get a call from this new VP of the hockey club that's coming to St. Paul and I think it's always worth having a cup of coffee right like might as well talk to somebody and see what's there so I met with Steve and a very small team at that time and basically told him like you need a group sales department and I can set it up for you did it before. We can do it again. So that's kind of how I got into pro sports. Wasn't looking for it, which, you know, now I know that's all people want to do, right? <laughs> like all yeah. these young people that just want to get into pro sports. I can appreciate that. It's been awesome, but that's kind of how I got to the wild initially.
0: Your experience, though, you know, selling for the journal, though, had to really help you become a better event salesperson.
2: Yeah, it sales is a hard job. I I think. Some people have it on their business card that you're in sales, but we all are in one way or another. It, it's hard. It, I have a great appreciation for our ticket sales team because it's not easy to pick up the phone and talk to people and try to get them, persuade them to do something they may not want to do. But I think it's, it's served me well. And and that's kind of always been my background, it's my whole family's background, my whole family of salespeople. So it, it kind of came to me a little naturally. So I came made that jump in 2000. I started as a group sales manager for the team for the wild, brought in Karen Reisinger, another person that a lot of people know from the arena marketing conference, hired Karen uh, in August of 2000 to start to sell our non-wild events. Uh, Karen's still with us. She's back to selling wild and she's in the throes of selling our other family shows that are, are happening right now. And then I, in 2000, five ish, we started doing more national events and we were going to host the US uh, Visa Championship. It was called then the gymnastics championship, not a not a shopping competition. Uh, right. <laughs> we really didn't have anybody in that linchpin role that starts worrying about tickets, worries about sponsorships, what other ancillary activations are you going to have? A connection to the convention and visitors bureau a connection to the governing body. And a lot of it was starting to fall on my plate, but nothing was moving off of my plate. And so had some conversations with people that just said, hey, if we're gonna keep doing these kind of events, which we should, it's good for the city, it's good for the organization. Is this a role that you know I could move into? But then I moved um, over, if you will, I left kind of the wild side of our business and, and started more on the arena side as we did more of those national events. And then in 2008, our marketing person uh, left. And so then I kind of assumed uh, both roles there. So, and then over time, when you're a career employee somewhere, just stuff you do, you don't even know how it got to be on your plate, but it is. So I got a lot of those kind (laughs) of things. (laughs) I'm a hand raiser. If somebody needs something done, it's like, yeah, we can do that. You know, like my team sometimes it's like, please quit raising your hand. (laughs)
0: you've now spent, you know, the better part of, you know, 20 plus years there at Excel Energy Center. So how much of your personal identity is tied into the arena, right? Because at a certain point, it goes from a job to a place that, you know, kind of is your your personal identity, you know?
2: That's a great question, Dave. And I think for all of us in this industry, you go to a party and it's you're an easy conversation for people to strike up, right? Like, hey, are there any good shows coming or right. Wild the Wild are sure playing great. And so you have that in and that natural conversation. So I do think, I, it's a great question. I would say my identity is very strongly tied to having worked here for so long. That's how people in this market know me. That's how uh, friends know me personally. I also know at the end of the day on my tombstone, if all my tombstone says is, gosh, she was a great marketer. Like she really sold out that show. That's sad to me. Right. So my life is, you know, my mom and white bear, it's my brother and my sister who are here in town. It's Wayne and his boys and and my friends. That's my life. And that's what I really want to be known for. So I, I, try really hard to separate the two. And, and if it, it's, it is easy to talk about, you know, the team or shows coming up, but I also very much will make a point to push it back to other people and say, tell me about your kids. Like what's going on? Like what's, what's at your work? Cause they're having work too, you know, and it might be not as high profile, but it's still what somebody is putting 40, 50, 60 hours of their life. into, the same as I am. Mine's just more, more high profile. So I think it's a conscious effort to keep it separated and remember what's important. I think this year has been really hard on people in this industry because people who got furloughed or laid off or redeployed, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with both of you gentlemen, that was hard. Yeah. That was an extra, yeah. extra blow that other industries maybe didn't experience that, oh, you're not with the team anymore? Oh, it, it, it was hard. It I I had a furlough um friends. I mean, probably the worst day of my career, I'm gonna start crying, was we weren't supposed to tell everybody they were gonna get furlough the next day, but we had a, a quick touch base meeting most days early in the pandemic. And they can tell by looking at me, right? Like right. this is not a normal day. I just burst into tears. Well then we all burst into tears and I just said, you guys. It's going down tomorrow and I'll call each of you separately. You have to act surprised tomorrow, (laughs) but I can't not keep it It, because they're my, they're friends, right? It was, it was the worst day. And then the best day was finally being able to call some people and tell them you're being restored. We're bringing people back. I give credit to us as an organization. Um, People were furloughed, but very few people, it, it did happen, but very few jobs were eliminated. Most people were furloughed. Most people were kept on benefits so they could continue to have that safety net. And then we finally were able to start when the work was back, the people were back. That was the mantra. And so to be able to bring people back was amazing. Either fully restore them to their position, partial furloughs, or come off full furloughs. And when it was finally done, when my last team member was finally back onboarded, I just broke down. really sat at my home office and was sobbing and i bring it up because i think in this every business everybody's going through so much right now and we don't really realize it and it really was me finally getting everybody full again like then i could stop because you feel like you're those you know survivor guilt call it what you will no no yes carrying the business through all that time. While other people weren't working, and so you you you're almost like doing it for them, and you it, it's hard to articulate. But when it finally everyone was back, that's when I just was like, we did it, okay, Every, we're back, and now we can just move forward. Let's be a team again. It 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 was a cha- I know it's it's universal across all the industries, not just ours. But it really was a challenging time, and I I I've appreciated some of the other. Um, podcasts that have been in the midst of the pandemic and people being really honest of how hard it is personally I I think um, we all just have to give each other a lot of grace and mercy and how people are feeling is how they're feeling and it's okay right like you get to feel how you feel will we get better we will but right now and I know you guys know this too we're drinking from the fire hose holy cow (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. You can't keep up. And every show is coming out. And, and we're short staffed. We're, we're, the three of us are doing the work at six right now. And our mantra here is just what you can do today. Just do what you need to do today. And tomorrow we'll do what we need to do tomorrow. And some things are average. And none of us like to be average. It drives me crazy that we're average in some areas. Especially when I'm told it's okay. It's okay that we're average right now. Like no one. We're not average. I hate it. Yeah, everything about it. So I am looking forward to when is that day where we all feel a little back on track, get our feet back under us, like really under us. Um, And that might just be staffed up for a lot of people, where we're fully staffed, where new people are fully trained, uh, where you're just starting to hit on all cylinders again. And that's really where this team uh, in St. Paul, we were just firing, like we were just Everything, we'd get a new show and everybody knew what to do and, boom,
0: boom, boom,
2: you know, doing the extra things, getting some, you know, publicity, all that, all those little things. And then, you know, so coming out of it, I feel like we're right. that train again, like trying to get going on the tracks and it's, we're picking up steam little by little. We're not quite there yet, but I, but I know it's coming. Um, and it's amazing how hard people are willing to work. That's been a, um, it's been unbelievable. hard people are working
1: right now. Well, thanks for sharing your perspective. And I mean, as you said, we've talked about this on the podcast in various episodes, but if you were not somehow affected by this industry or by what happened, no matter what side, whether you were furloughed or whether you kept your job, then you were living on another planet. And so Mm -hmm. the people that were left, I think, I don't want to say they were overlooked, but it, it was hard I think for some people and myself, you know, I tried not to make this mistake, but, you know, it's tough when you are the person getting furloughed and laid off. But then I had friends that were at the building that they're now doing like the job of three people and some of them are partially furloughed. So it's like they yes, they have their job, but then their pay was docked. Their load was increased times three. And then they also lost all their friends that they loved working with, some of them for 20 years. So it's like no one had it easy, really. And it, it kind of just sucked for everyone. And that's not to devalue anyone's experience because it, you don't want to water it down by saying, that ah, sucked for everyone. So it's not that bad for anyone. It was just awful for everyone. <laughs> and I don't think it anyone really,
2: yeah. yeah. It, in its perspective building too, right? We had a show last night, James Taylor and Jackson Brown, And we masked as a staff, we're still wearing masks. It wasn't required in advance. And we had to have N95s on, and it was hurting me. Like it just, it just is an uncomfortable mask. And then I just kept thinking, what if you were a healthcare worker? Like you get to take the over for like an hour when you were escorting photographers last night. It's okay. Like you're fine. Everything you're gonna
1: gonna make it through, yeah. Yeah, perspective, right?
2: You know, if if um the people I most of the people I know have stayed healthy not universally I know you know we've all been touched by this so I'm a count your blessings gal and and try to find the silver lining and and uh keep moving forward you know tomorrow if the sun comes up that's another great day right like got to look forward to to what might be next but like you're saying Paul to fully acknowledge that this is hard this is unprecedented you know I mean I've 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 never lived, I'm old, but I haven't lived through a worldwide pandemic before. And, you know, I lived, the recession of 2008, coming out of that for this business was was hard. It was a terrible time um, going through that. 9-11 was a terrible time for this business. So all of those things you kind of remember when you have to force yourself. So kind of my goal is that we kind of will forget how bad this was in the same way we've forgotten some of those past uh, events too. And just can look forward to hopefully, hopefully be better, work smarter, value time with family more, value nights yes. and weekends a little bit more. Big fan yeah. of nights and weekends. Amen.
0: Big fan <laughs> of nights and weekends. <laughs> well, hey, you know, uh, as we're all drinking from that fire hose, you know, we are also looking ahead to uh, uh, our visit to the Twin Cities in June. So, so what are the twin cities like in June? You know what, you know, because obviously everybody thinks of Minnesota and bundling up in the winter, right? But it's a pretty beautiful place in the summertime.
2: It's lovely here. You know, we're the land of 10,000 lakes and it's actually more than that. Uh, Summer is very green here. It's verdant. It's, it's June to be nice. It's one of the nicer months. I would, you know, it'd be seventies, eighties, very pleasant to be outside. I like, one of the things I like about Minnesota is we have the four seasons. You know, we go through. Uh, we're heading in, unfortunately, to to the cold of winter, where the sun is down when you show up and when you leave. And but June should be nice. It, it, we should be able to get people outside, you know, walking distance to different places that are going to be near the hotel. There's great great biking here. There's great um, hiking within, you know, 30 minute drive of anywhere. You can find a great park or a, a lake to sit by, a lake to walk around. Uh, very active city. The Twin Cities are really, really active cities in terms of bikeable. You know, we always win awards for being the most bikeable city or, or green city, and and I think people will enjoy their time here. I hope we have a mild week. Uh, it should be ahead of the um, when it gets so hot uh, in August. It, it, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful place to be. It's it's summer in in Minnesota. Is a lot of people spending time at their cabins, getting out on the water, just being outside. You you cannot get on a patio, uh, every patio is packed. If, if you wanna be outside, you better plan ahead uh, because we're all we're all taking advantage. We've got a pretty short window there. Of, right, but we're uh, gonna make the most out of it. When you can be outside. So <laughs> every place has a patio. Places that didn't have a patio, since obviously the pandemic when you could eat outside, there's, you know, every, every place has a patio now.
0: Well, we appreciate your time and we definitely are looking forward to coming your way. Uh, here in the uh, new year, which is not that far away, right? Crazy to believe. But before we let you go, I want to hit you with the fast five. It's five quick questions, just looking for your your instant response. First okay. up, what was your very first
2: concert? I went to Rick Springfield at the Minnesota State Fair. Nice.
0: How about your favorite concert?
2: That's a hard one. I always think of what are the concerts here that I probably would have bought a ticket to, and that I really loved. Um, I loved Green Day. Uh, when they came on the stage, it was just like, holy, owned it, like owned the stage. And Kid Rock was the same. I would have never bought a Kid Rock ticket, but he came, comes out on the stage and you are just instantly, he's got the crowd. Kid Rock and Bob Seger played here together, only one of two shows that they did. Uh, they played here in, I think, Fargo. And that was an awesome show because I love Bob Seger. And then Kid Rock just kind of surprised me.
0: <laughs> How about your favorite Twin Cities breakfast spot?
2: Um, I live out in a suburb called Stillwater. It's on the river. It's the birthplace of Minnesota. It's on the St. Kray river. And there's a spot there called the Oasis that makes a great breakfast.
0: How about your favorite place to grab a nice dinner out?
2: There's a lot. There's such good restaurants here. Uh, I'm trying to think. Wayne and I, uh, there's a few places downtown. There's one in downtown Stillwater called Mark's, M-A-R-X. that um, just makes amazing, amazing
0: Last question: What is your theme song? So, in other words, is a TV show all about Kelly McGrath? The cameras follow you around. What is the song that plays over the opening credits?
2: First of all, that would be a really boring TV show. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It's funny. So last night I mentioned that Jackie Brown here, and I posted on my Instagram stories. Um, I felt like my theme song right now was running on empty. Um, maybe running on empty. Maybe Elton John. The bitches back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Kelly, uh, if people want to follow you or uh, Excel, uh, what, what are the best places for them to uh, to find you guys on social?
2: Yeah, easy to find us on social as the arena. It's Excel, which is X C E uh, L, name for the power company, Excel Energy Center. But the center is usually CTR on our different um, channels. So you can find us on the usual locations. Um, personally, I, my last name is actually Peterson. I use my main name here at work. So you, if you look up Kelly McGrath Peterson, You'll find me on the different social channels, or people can certainly shoot me an email uh, at kmagrath@wild.com. That's the easy one.
0: Well, you uh, definitely embody that Minnesota nice. I went, no kidding. At my 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 first EAMC conference, uh, you were one of the first people that I remember connecting with. That I felt, oh, you know what. That's somebody I could call at another venue uh, if I ever had an issue, and uh, I've really valued your your kindness over the years, and and appreciate you taking the time for us today.
2: I remember meeting you. I remember uh, we had a, a lunch outside somewhere, I think. And and uh, Leslie Lane has been a, a good friend through the years. Crystal Pace, uh, gosh, just so many different people that those are my rodeo gals. There's, yes, there's a there's a group <laughs> that. Uh, we all get the world's toughest rodeo every year, and Dave, your building is one of them, and Crystal and, and Raleigh, and we just all kind of connect with each other to see what's going on. And so I always call them my rodeo gals when I said that. Oh, there you go, great that's great. That's great. It's another one. You no, know, it's great people through the years that that I've had the opportunity to, to meet and definitely use as a resource. If, if I need to know something, Paul, I've called you to talk convention centers. Uh, before, I've certainly reached out to Tracy and and Leslie and and just different people who I know might have had a show or just have some insight on something I need a little help with. So that's a, a huge asset of the of the conference.
0: It's a uh, it's a small little business we're all in, but uh, yeah. it's it's great to have those connections, and we we do appreciate your time today. and And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five star reviews so you can help others find us until the next adventure. I'm Dave
1: Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper, also a big fan of nights and weekends over here. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll uh, see you on the next one. Adventures in Venue is a side project of the event and arena marketing conference a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com.
2: Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker.
1: Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker.
2: Do you want to be featured on our upcoming call-in episode? Call the Adventures in Vineland hotline at 859-421-1766 and tell us your favorite event day story.
1: Thanks for joining us.
2: Until the next adventure.